This is The Business Machine, where we talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. We know that they, as high-energy, non-stop, inspirational leaders, are behind their well-oiled machines. We will get their tips and tools and also listen to their mistakes and how they overcame them. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines and create a great team so that our machines will eventually run themselves. So get ready. Up next, The Business Machine is firing up. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Business Machine. I'm your host, Brian Town. I am the host of Business Machine and also the CEO of Michigan Creative. I know I say this every time. We're really excited about all of our guests, but this one, Balaji, oh, yeah, G-Day. Did I do that right? You got it. Balaji, oh, as we know him and love him in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he is the seven best-selling author of Brave Little Hero Books, where he uses the power of story to help kids discover their own superpowers. I love that. Balaji is also the host of Bravepreneur Parents Academy podcast, which I have to say I've been on, a number one new and noteworthy podcast for kids and family in iTunes, and top 100 new and noteworthy podcasts in all categories. And you can see his logo. It's yellow and red and has two hands in the middle. It's an awesome logo. Balaji, what is happening, my friend? Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good, man. I'm so glad that you came on. I just, you know, we've met, gosh, a couple months ago, and I got to be on your show, and we have our little meetings with a couple other outstanding guys on Monday mornings, and so it's really good to connect to you, and I appreciate you coming on the business machine today. This is a great, great pleasure. I'm fired up and ready to go. Cool. Well, let's start that, and, you know, we go to a lot of networking parties, and we go to a lot of meetings, and lunch, and dinner, and parties, and guests. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, what do you do? What do you say? Brian, I help kids discover their superpowers so they can get excited about changing the world. So tell me a little bit about that. I, I really, really like that. And and tell me what is that super what is one superpower that you could think that kids sometimes don't really discover on their own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that question, Brian. Love that question. So for me, to to understand a superhero and their superpower, you gotta understand their origin story. Now, some of the folks that are hanging out with us today might have read comic books when they were younger. Some oh, yeah. maybe, maybe they skipped the comic book phase, but the origin story is a very big part of who a hero is. You can't just kind of look at them in 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 their current state yeah. and look at their powers and their costume and say, okay, I know who this guy is. You actually have to know where they came from. And so that's why for kids, they're in that origin story phase. They're trying to figure out the world and where they fit in. Yeah, yeah. So I come in, I come alongside, and I help them figure out those things that allow them to make a special contribution to the world. But here's the thing, though. Contrary to what kids might think, it's not necessarily the fact that they can run the fastest or throw something the furthest or they're the best at math or at chess or they're the biggest kid in class or they're the smartest or they can sing the best. Those are talents. Okay, Talents can can get you places in life. Talents can make you money. Talents can give you a wonderful career. But they're not a superpower. A superpower is something that actually improves the world for other people. Because if you think about it, both superheroes and supervillains have powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> both superheroes and supervillains have talents and abilities. But the superheroes make a conscious decision to use their abilities to help someone else. And that's what I help 
these kids figure out. I love that. I, and if you can think of one, I know, you know, as entrepreneurs and also as business owners and especially as fathers, I think, you know, we're both fathers of young boys and my boys are, are a little bit older than yours. But, um, you know, what is that thing when you see these kids who take part in that? And we'll talk about how they do that. And do you see that like when they get it? Like yeah. that, that to me, when I was a teacher, that was like, oh man, when, when, they, when they get it, you're like, wow, it's that, you know, that cheesy saying the light bulb goes off, which I right. don't like, but right. what is yeah. that? What do you yeah. see, man? Do you see that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the wonderful thing is it's not, it's almost by design, not one particular superpower that right. kids tend to discover first. That's by design. And so much about life, it, it probably starts when we're teenagers, maybe even earlier, but so much about life is about conformity. It's about knowing where the lines are and coloring in between the lines. Don't go outside those lines. These are the clothes that are popular right now. This is what I should do. Yeah. So, and every, we have all these rules about what we're supposed to be doing, but the odd thing is when we're born, we're so incredibly unique Goodness, we're so incredibly unique down to our fingerprints that it's somehow strange that people should say, all right, these are the 10 boxes that you're allowed to fit in. Oh, you're an accountant. I can see that, kid. Oh, you're going to be a great police officer. No, you have a combination of traits that help you. But there is one trait, Brian, that every superhero has got to have. And there's one trait that every kid has got to develop if they want to have an impactful life. And that trait is grit. Mm. That trait is grit. Yeah. Now, that's not actually a word that I grew up knowing. No, and that's neither. a word that, yeah. that entered my lexicon fairly recently. So I, I, I wouldn't say I always knew what the word grit meant. But at the same time, somehow my upbringing, with my upbringing, I learned grit. Now, I, I'll tell you a little bit about where my parents came from, and that might give you some idea. This is a little bit of my origin story. That might tell you a little bit about how I developed this superpower and how now I'm trying to instill that in my kids. So, Brian, both of my parents grew up poor. That's not an unusual story. I grew up in Nigeria. Okay, My dad, he, he was a farm boy. He had seven siblings. His father owned a very small farm. They were hardly hardly feeding themselves, talk less of yeah, selling to yeah. other people. My dad, as a kid, before he was six or seven, had to walk miles to the farm every day, barefoot, had to do manual labor all day, and then walk back home. He hated it. Oh, he hated sure. it. And so when they opened up, when they made um, public school free, which is I think he t- when he turned seven, public school became free at all levels. <laughs> he was all, he was off to the races. He was like, "Boom! I don't know what this school thing is, but I'm on it." <laughs> but it's and better so, than walking to a farm. I, it's got to be. It's got to be <laughs> exactly. better than that. And so he he put his all into school. He did really well. He got scholarships. He went off to secondary school, which is the equivalent of high school, on scholarship. He got to go to university on scholarship. And so education was his way out of that poverty. But it wasn't easy. He had to grind and claw and and scratch for everything he was given. My mom, on the other hand, her dad worked for the government. Uh, which And he had seven kids also, but they were well off. They did well until he had a heart attack and died at age 40. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, my grandma and her seven kids were plunged into poverty. No income, no way to feed these seven kids. And so my mom, unlike my dad, who always knew poverty, yeah. my mom knew the good life oh, until no. she was about 10. And that 
that was snatched away from her. Like so immediately, like it, overnight. Overnight. Wow. Overnight. And, and it, it's crazy, Brian. You know, culturally, things have, have changed a little bit now. But back then, when someone died, all of a sudden, a lot of relatives would just show up <laughs> and start taking stuff. They're like, up, oh, yep. Uh, yeah, the car. Yeah, he. I think he promised me that. Oh, oh yeah, this he promised me that. Oh, yeah, so yeah. My my grandma was left with nothing. So my mom also focused on education. She did really well at school. She became a medical doctor. My dad became a veterinary pathologist. So education was a really big thing for me growing up. But in addition to that, somehow my parents instilled in me that that sensibility that hey, listen, we're we're not money doesn't grow on trees sure okay you have a good might life. be well off now so i grew up as a middle class kid however but the mentality i had was like it was kind of crazy like they would give me money allowance money for for uh food and i wouldn't spend that money i'd save it wow like what's wrong with this kid and i wouldn't even tell them i wasn't eating at school my friends used to make fun of me because <laughs> if i did buy something i'd buy something to eat but i wouldn't buy a drink and they'd be like dude how can you, you do that or you'd split a sandwich in half keep the rest it's crazy of yeah. <laughs> yeah so so somehow i had that if i can claim it that protestant work ethic where even though i grew up middle class somehow i was always driven to just work really really hard and that grit that grit, we're going to get into it in a little bit, Brian, but that grit helped me out when I started to actually try to fulfill my calling in life because I failed more times than up until recently I was comfortable even admitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We t- and as you know, we focus on our mistakes here on Business Machine because we've learned a lot from that. And, and I was going to ask you, and I'm glad you brought it up, though, too, because I think a lot of our listeners are going, yeah, well, great. You know, we're doing okay right now, middle class. And, and I kind of put myself in this position, too, that, you know, we're, we're fine. My, you know, my kids are fine. They've got everything that they need. You know, we've been very lucky. Um, we're not loaded by any means. We're middle class, but every once in a while, you know, they'll complain because I decided to eat at home and not go out like yeah. everybody else does or whatever. And I you know, just want to go, you guys, man, <laughs> or like they're one of their Xbox remotes breaks or something. It's like the end of the world. I'm like, yeah. you guys, man, listen. So I think for parents, I think that advice to how do you instill that and grit and that attitude, even though you've got it pretty good, because it doesn't take long to get off that track. You're, you're absolutely right. It's really difficult for us because we work so hard to provide a better living for yeah. or a better life for our kids. Here's something that sometimes we might forget, though. And my parents have kind of gone through this. My father is very entrepreneurial, even though he's a veterinary pathologist. He tried a lot of entrepreneurial ventures um, along the way. My mom, she's not so entrepreneurial, but she's an amazing communicator, and she's a protector. So she doesn't like her kids to go through hardship. Oh, even sure. now. No, I don't either. I get it. I mean, it's my fault. <laughs> it's our fault, the way the kids are raised. I mean, we do everything for them. I don't know who else to blame. Yeah, you know, and it's not necessarily a fault, but it's it's sort of an instinct that we almost have to override. Yeah. Because if we think about the immediate, you know, my kids, I have two sons, they're eight and five right now. And I can give you several examples. My five-year-old loves board games, but he hates to lose. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hates to lose. So we play these board games, Monopoly, and he's actually pretty advanced. He's playing board games for like 12-year-olds. Wow. But if he loses... Oh, man. Oh my gosh, we the whole house knows about it. And so what I'll sometimes do, if it's just me and him, yeah. I'll like, 
you know, if I get ahead by a little bit, I'll kind of throw throw a few turns, let him catch up a little bit, and, and I try not to intentionally lose. But if I win, I don't want to really thump him. So I so I do that. But I might be robbing him of resilience. Yeah, you don't know, but it's just so painful. I mean, sometimes it's easier <laughs> just to do that. I get it. And it's I'm, way more convenient. To I know. Not- with the drama I, I think i'm just gonna stop caring so much about my kids like every other week and just see how that goes like i always so tease them with that i'm like look I, you know i think this month i'm not gonna talk to you guys i just want to <laughs> let you know ahead of time we got a couple of days so get it all right. out you know but right. I, I still don't do that yeah yeah so, it's such an important point though you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about you know, some of my business mentors but one of the people that i look up to most you know, you know I, i'm all about kids and cartoons yeah, yeah. And comic books walt disney I, I really admire Walt's accomplishments, but if you study his career, the amount of hardship, sure. rejection, and trial that he went through is amazing. Yeah. And that's even before he got on this path of making cartoons, his dad was not very nice to him. <laughs> Walt, he had a paper route, both he and his brother, they had a paper route, even in the, the snow. He actually passed out once um while on his paper route in the snow oh just from God. hunger and exhaustion i heard that story yeah ridiculous you know and i think he had two brothers i'm not i don't know if i'm recalling correctly but all three kids as soon as they turned 16 ran away from home <laughs> they all ran they had to get away from their dad because he, he was such a tyrant on him now you don't necessarily want to take it to that extent but here's the thing walt developed so much resilience so much tenacity that he was able to get through all the subsequent rejection. And if that guy didn't change the world, I don't know what changing the world looks like. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can just imagine little Walt, too. Like his dad's like, go to your room. You're in trouble. He's like, you just wait. You, you, you just wait. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you just wait to where your name is going to be. <laughs> yeah. So you've got, let's talk about your two companies that you have right now, the Bravepreneur Podcast. I want to get into that a little bit in Brave Little Heroes. Why did you and how... Did you start both those companies? I, I want to hear about that. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. So, so um, let me tell you a little bit about Brave Little Heroes because that came first. Okay. And to do that, I'll, I'll get back into my origin story. So, as I mentioned earlier, I did grow up in Nigeria, born and raised. And when the funny thing is that American culture is pervasive around the world. So, even in Nigeria, yep. I was reading Marvel and DC comic books. Every Saturday, I'd go to the store and buy the latest Marvel and DC comic books. And Spider-Man was by far my favorite comic. Now, why was Spider-Man my favorite character? He's one of the most popular heroes in general. But what makes him so compelling? Here's something that's unique about Spider-Man. He's actually a teenager. Okay, A lot of the other heroes are grown-ups. This guy is a teenager. Not just that. He's scrawny. He's a nerd. He loves science. (laughs) And when you look at him outside of the costume... Goodness, that's the kid. He's the guy that gets picked on and bullied at school. Why would they make that guy the hero? In fact, Stan Lee caught a lot of flack for trying to make sure. that particular guy a hero. But he stood out for me because I was an introvert. I was a shy kid. I was the one who had something to say in the world, but felt like the world wasn't ready to listen. Yeah, they weren't ready to hear you. <laughs> they, they weren't ready to hear from me. At least that was my perception. They were below and you anyway at that time. <laughs> Right. And, and and so 
I felt like, wow, with Spider-Man, this is someone who the world is trying to ignore, and little do they know that they're ignoring him by day, and at night, he's the one that's saving their butts from the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that really appealed to me, and I actually started drawing Spider-Man sketches, and I would sell them uh, for lo- extra lunch money. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I always had that entrepreneurial thing going. But when I was 10, 10 years old is the first time my parents flew, myself and my siblings, all the way from Nigeria, West Africa, halfway across the world to Orlando, Florida. We went to Disney World, and my mind was blown. (laughs) I can't imagine. Are you serious? What is this place? Right. Can I live here? (laughs) It was crazy. Pinching yourself. Am I really here? Yeah, it, it was surreal, but it's really odd because I was 10 years old, and I said to myself at that point, this is what I want to do when I grow up. And I didn't necessarily want to build an amusement park, but I wanted to be able to connect with kids and parents because, you know, let's be honest, at least half the parents that go there, they oh, secretly yeah. enjoy being there as much as the kids. Sure, yeah, I've been twice now, and it's just as much fun. Yeah, it, it, it's really an amazing accomplishment, engineering-wise, creativity-wise. It's phenomenal. So I was like, I want to be able to do this when I grow up. Now, remember, though, my parents came up from poverty, and the only way out of poverty for them was education and getting a practical job, a respectable job. So they told all their kids, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. In general, that was kind of the vibe. I, I don't know if they explicitly told us that, but that was the expectation. But being an entrepreneur was not on that list. No. <laughs> That was not well, maybe was, from your dad, though. I mean, your dad was an entrepreneur. Even then, you yeah. know, he had his side hustles. Nothing ever really took off for him, and I think that actually fed the 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 myth, at least in my mom's mind, mm-hmm. that entrepreneurship was risky. Yeah, yeah, don't hey, don't do what your dad's doing on the side because that ain't working. <laughs> <Don't> you <change laughs> I can hear your mom say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so you know, I that's where I came from. So I, went, I got a conventional job. I went to college here in the U.S., I studied computer science. I worked in corporate America for 12 years, got my MBA, great careers in corporate America, six-figure income. Life was good. You know, I was married. My wife also has an MBA. We were living the good life, didn't want for anything, traveling and all that sort of thing. And then we had kids. But, you know, along the way, this – thing was gnawing at the back of my head Mm -hmm. you know like okay someday you've always known from from childhood that you were going to do something big you were going to change the world in some way and you know clocking in every day working this nine to five is not it this is not it so i wasn't brave enough though okay to make that jump on my own I actually started some side hustles. I had a little programming skills. I started a social network. This was back in 99, way before Zuckerberg. Oh, well, I was going to okay. say, was, was it called Facebook? Or? It was not called Facebook. Oh, I was going to talk about that. I was going to ask you for a loan. Yeah. You know, I came, I, I came up with a social network. We actually had like 30,000 members. Wow. You know, so it was pretty good. It's pretty good. I had no idea how to monetize it, though, Brian. Had no idea. So it actually, I worked that business for like nine years, uh, uh, and then I had a kid. And I was like, okay, it's either the kid or the business. Yeah. So we closed the business. So, so that was my first really big business failure. I mean, imagine pouring yourself heart and soul into something for nine years. I can't imagine. And then just having it close, it, it just sputters. It didn't even close with a bag. It just kind of sputtered out and died. You know, the website just, you know, domain, domain is up for a renewal. Well, let's not renew the domain. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you know? So it just kind of tri trickled away. But still, I had that thing gnawing in the back of my head, like, you're supposed to be doing something important. You, you know, you're supposed to be doing something. I didn't know what that thing was, though, right? I didn't know. In the meantime, I kept on gathering skills, you know, from corporate America. And I want to highlight a book that I read later on in life that I think helped. It's by, um, I think his name is Cal Newton. I'll look up the name in a minute to make sure I have it right. But the book is titled, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the book's so good, they can't ignore it. It is a visionary book because it basically talks about how the passion philosophy, where people say, go chase your passions, he says that is backwards. He says that is wrong. If you do that, you're more likely to fail than succeed. He's not saying don't have passions. <laughs> He's saying if all you have is passion, it's like if, if I had said at age 10 or age 18, I want to be like Walt Disney, therefore, I'm going to go start building an amusement park right now, I probably would have failed. Or at least it would have been much more difficult to get there. But look at the path that I took. I got a computer science degree in the age of the rise of the internet, okay? Became very adept at technology. That has now helped me master the internet, using the internet for marketing. I got a marketing degree. That has helped me understand business, yeah. how to start and run a business. None of those things would I have thought of as a 10-year-old. But it, So it's all about gathering the skills, gathering important skills along the way until eventually when you do find that passion, that calling, you can bring these skills together and use them to chase that calling. So Brave Little Heroes, the concept of it came up after I had my first son. So at, at that point, I was at a bit of a low point uh, professionally in my life, Brian. I'd just been laid off from uh, my corporate job. And coming from the background that I came from as an immigrant to the U.S. where and coming from a family where education was everything and accomplishment felt like that, that was how you measured yourself. To be laid off, the, the sense of shame that I had, Brian, was so deep was so pervasive that I didn't actually tell my parents I'd lost my job oh, until yeah. I got another yeah. job six months later. Oh, man, I, could, I mean, that's what I would have done too because I just think in your head you're going, well, if I was good enough that's or, it. or if, I, if I did better at my job, then there's no way I would have got laid off. So obviously, I must not have been very good. The job was my identity, Brian. Oh, yeah, it is. It really was, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, my yeah. That was oh, me. Blah. So to not have that job, imagine the six months of deception. You know, your parents are calling. Well, then you're feeling bad because you're lying, too. That's right. Yeah, that's I know. Right. It's like, now, now oh, I, I always oh, lied terrible. by omission. I never explicitly said, oh, that's, yeah, that's hey, fine. Really then. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. That's different. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different, Brian. It's totally different. But still, yeah. how, how's work going? Oh, fine. Oh, I the subject. <laughs> six months. Oh, my six God. Months. Did you tell your parents ever? Yes, Good. after, because I had to tell them, well, why are you at this new company? What's going on? What did I, they say? I actually don't know if they know it was six months. They oh, probably they think. Do, they do now. <laughs> hey, mom and dad. On national TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I, I jumped from that one job after six months to the next. I got another great job, worked there for a couple of years. Things were going really well. I still had this voice in the back of my head saying, this job is great. Well done. You're doing it up, man. You're making big contributions. You're earning a great salary. Hey, people like you at work. It's great. But something was still sort of telling me there, there's something you're supposed to be contributing. There, there's something. That whole Disney vision, it, it feels silly. It feels childish, but it won't go away. 
so a few of my friends, my wife and a few close friends, they kind of knew what my inclination was and they would encourage me to explore it. But I was scared, Brian. I, I'll just be, I'll just be flat out honest. Sure. I was scared. I, I'd been laid off once. I, I did not like that feeling of not having a job, not having money come in. And I was just scared. The status quo is a very powerful force. Well, plus if it doesn't work. What if it doesn't work? What yeah. are people going to say? What are my friends going to say? Well, how will my parents feel? You know, and, and so all this external validation was so important to me that I ignored that voice in my head. Brian, I got laid off again. Oh, God. I got laid off again. And, and that cut, that hurt me. That really, really hurt. It wasn't as devastating as the first time. Really? But okay. it was still really devastating. I was like, is this a pattern? Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I finally convinced myself it wasn't me, it's them, and then it happens again? Yeah. That was not good. That was not good. So so I, that's when I went out and chased my dream, right? Wrong. I, I got another job, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, got another, I got a third job. Got a third job. Two years later, I got laid off from the third job. I don't know, man. I, you know... <laughs> I don't know what to say don't, right now. Don't go, don't go there. I, I think we should. Yeah, you know what I was going to say. You know exactly what I was going to say. Don't go there, Brian. I'm not going to say it. That's not what I was going to say. And, and, you know, it, it's really funny because, you know, we can laugh about it now. That, sure. that I've heard the saying that tragedy, is, or rather comedy, is tragedy plus time. Right, yeah. You know, so something bad happens. You give it enough time, you can eventually <laughs> laugh about it. Yeah. I can laugh about it now. After that third layoff, I, I do have to admit it. Remember that time, honey? I was laid off for the third time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. We were down to two meals a day. <laughs> Pass the white bread. <laughs> yeah. So a, a few of my close friends at that point were like, dude, dude, seriously, three times, you're not going to go, but you, you're not going back. Yeah. You're not going back to a corporate job. And so that was a point where I said, you know, for, forget it. Come hell or high water. I'm doing it. If this isn't enough to push me to do it, nothing will. And so sometimes some of us are brave enough to make that leap. Some of us are good enough planners to where we can lay it out and we can do both of them simultaneously. And then when, when the, the, the thing we're passionate about takes off, we can then step over. And some of us need to be pushed. Yeah. And and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pushed. Yeah. And I've heard that too. And then I heard it later, three years after I quit my full-time nice job and decided to start my own company. You know, three years later, I heard what you should do is try to run your company on the side first and then quit. I'm like, well, great. Thanks a lot. Where where were you three years ago? Right. 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 The funny thing, though, is that there's there's this certain philosophy. I know Tony Robbins has has shared this philosophy before. I don't know where it originates, but it's called burn the bridges or burn the boats. Okay. where if you want to storm a beach, you shouldn't leave the boats intact on, you know, close to the shore as a, way, a means of retreat. Basically, you should burn the boats so that you have no option but to go forward. Whoa. There's no more retreat. You just burned your boats. You're going to have to take over your enemy's boats <laughs> to get back home. And when you don't have an option, something clicks, something switches in your mind where that's where that grit comes out. And that's where you're like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this thing work. A, a corporate gig, especially a well-paying corporate gig, that comfort, gosh, the first time you hit an obstacle, you're going to be running back to that comfort. And then you might venture out a little bit more. Then you get hit with another obstacle and you're going to run back to that comfort. 
Well, if you don't have that comfort, that security blanket to run back to anymore, you have no choice but to succeed. I mean, if somebody keeps on trying, there's no there's no knockouts in life unless you unless you just die, you know, keel over and die. Yeah. As long as you can wake up and look up and get up and try again, you haven't been defeated no matter how low you are, no matter how low. Yeah, you know, we get that uh, and I get that a lot too cuz this company for me is only 4 years old. I was a teacher for a long time and and man, you know, there was times and there's I'm not going to lie to you, there's still times recently where you know, you get up and you're man, this, you know, this is really hard. It's not working the way I wanted and we lost this client or we didn't get this big gig and and then I, you know, when I get in the right mindset, I'm like, you know, you can you can do this. You know, you can make this work, man. It's all up to you. You just got to keep pushing forward. And that and that helps. And that's, you know, one of the reasons we started the podcast. And then one of the reasons why I like listening to so many podcasts, because we hear these stories about people that have just failed over and over and over again. I had really hard times and now they're successful. And even people that are running the same business that four years ago wasn't going so good or five years ago. It, it was awful. They, you know, just, they, they felt terrible. They just thought they were doing the worst thing they could possibly do. And now it's going really well, but it was never easy. And so that's been really helpful to my, you know, to me for sure. And then also to my staff too. Yeah. You know, there's a really good book by Seth Godin. He's my favorite yeah. business author. It's called the dip. When to quit <laughs> and when to stick. Well, see, I don't, I don't want to read that because what if it says like quit right now? Like, you know what to say working out here. Just quit. I'm afraid to read. I don't let, want to read. Let, let me give you an example though, Brian, of when to quit. And quit doesn't necessarily mean quitting on where you're trying to get, but it might mean quitting on the means by which you're trying to get there. Okay. Right. So what if, Brian, I want to let, let's say with my social network that I built back in '99, I, I eventually quit that. After nine years, nine years is a pretty good run yeah, to, to, to try. Really run. Yeah, especially for something that was not profitable any of the nine years. So, so maybe you should have quit in year four. I probably should have read that book a little earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when when should I have quit? What if I, I saw Zuckerberg's Facebook and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to be the next Facebook. And I'm building this thing, this little network. But what if the business model underlying my my version of the business yeah. could never grow to the size of Zuckerberg's? What if the technology that I'd built was never designed to scale that large? I could keep on, you know, using bubble gum and band-aid or duct tape to stick everything together, or I might say, okay, this isn't working. It hasn't worked for a while. Let me take a step back. And really reevaluate things. Yeah, yeah, I like that, and that's something that we always have to do as business owners too. Is always to make sure we're looking at process. And so let's talk. And I know you, when you saw this question, you're like, "Oh man, I don't know. It's Friday." But let's talk about ten years from now. And we we always look. I read a, a great book that talked about their ten year plan, and you know they're writing specific plans of what their company. And it wasn't like a strategic plan. It was just like this is what our company looks like in 10 years and here's who works for us and here's what we're doing. And here's what the office looks like. So Balaji, tell me what your 10 year vision is. What's Bravepreneur and what's Brave Little Heroes look like in 10 years? So that'd be 2025. Oof. We're going to be yeah. old. I will be old. Oh my gosh. You know what this question reminds me of? I don't know if you, Brian, or any of your listeners ever watched the Conan O'Brien oh, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah show he occasionally would have this skit. Conan Conan's sense of humor is probably like mine it's 
very juvenile. Yeah. And so yeah. He, yeah. I'm so a, immature. Right. So he, he's pretty he's a pretty silly guy, a pretty silly guy. But he had this one skit where it was called in the year 2000. And he would turn off all the lights and put on a silly metallic hat and shine this flashlight on his face. And, and I guess he made this in the 90s when the year 2000 was like, oh, that's way in the future. Yeah, that's so far away. <laughs> in the year 2000. <laughs> and he'd make some ridiculous predictions. That's how this feels when I'm thinking about the year 2025. Like, oh, my gosh, that is so far in the future. And yet, here I am talking about a skit, by the way, that was done probably 15 plus years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, does put things in perspective. It is far, but, and I think with us anyway, and you too, you know, technology is going to play a big role in that. So we really don't know. Right. But 10 years ago is pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and that's one reason why I really liked this question. When I first started thinking about the question, I was like, okay, well, let me map out some of my maybe three goals I'd like to accomplish each year on the way from here to there. And I, and I started to do it that way. But then I was like, you know what? I don't know. I can't actually plan out to the nth degree what is going to happen in those 10 years. So much is going to change. You can imagine if you're going on a journey and you change directions, you've changed direction by one degree. 10 years later, if you're still walking in that same direction, you will be hundreds or thousands of miles away from where you would have ended up if you hadn't changed that one degree. So just a minute change can have such a big impact. So I can talk about big picture, where I see myself That's what we want. having an impact. Big picture. We don't want every year. We, we Here we have, go. We don't have that kind of time. <laughs> All right. Got to cut the commercial. Yeah, yeah. All right. So first and foremost, speaking or communicating is a big part of my business. So that my tribe, the people that, I'm, that I serve are kids. And in conjunction, their parents. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I see myself doing in 10 years is having a thousand pieces of content out on the Internet, video, podcast, whatever, whatever format comes next. You know, Periscope came up this year. Like, what in the world is Periscope? Yeah, no, it's one more thing we got to look at. <laughs> one more thing. Right. So who knows what the format is going to be? Who knows if they'll have blogs or podcasts? They, they probably will. But there will be something new. Mm -hmm. There will be a new flavor of the year. So a thousand pieces of content motivating, instructing, and coaching kids to find and use their superpowers to change the world. A thousand pieces of content. Yeah, yeah. If you break that down over 10 years, that's a hundred pieces of content a year. Yeah. Right. So, so that's one every three days. That, that's not it's doable, but it's also not trivial. So it's like, OK, yeah. if I can do one piece of content every three days for the next 10 years, there's no way I won't be the top one percent in my field because nobody else is going to take the time. To do I really that. like looking at it like that. that. That's really cool, man. I like that a lot. Yeah. So a thousand pieces of content in, in my field. That's the first thing. Second thing, my current project that I'm launching right now, it's called Brave Quest. And it's essentially a 30-day journal built as a video game. It's taking video game concepts. So it has levels. The kids can earn points. They're doing all of this. They're doing these exercises in the journal to build grit, to build that tenacity and resilience, and to ultimately find their superpowers, right? But I'm making it into a, a, a game-style journal. So we're launching that this Christmas season. And let's say this Christmas season, 2015, maybe we get a hundred, a few hundred kids doing it. Well, in 10 years, I, 
I want to see a million kids on Brave Quest. And, yeah, Brave Quest will no longer just be a journal. It'll be a standalone company on its own. We're going to have worldwide conferences in, on every continent. We're going to be part of school curriculums. So we're going deep with this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's very important to me. Once I've identified the area in which I plan to dominate, the area in which I plan to contribute, I need to go deep. So I don't need to have a hundred things going on. I'm not trying to Richard Branson it out, okay? I don't need to have all these unrelated things. I'm trying to Walt Disney it out, okay? So when it comes to childhood entertainment right now, nobody's out doing Disney, even so many decades after his death. Well, that's what I'm doing for child motivation. I'm going to be the Tony Robbins for kids, okay? My name is going to be synonymous with that, but not because uh, of... I don't mention Tony Robbins as an ego thing, just as an impact thing. So uh, Brave Quest is going to be worldwide, conferences, school curriculums, the whole nine. And then Brave Little Heroes, finally. Brave Little Heroes are the books that I've been creating for kids. These are the fiction books. Uh, I'm actually right now, Brian is aware of this, I, I just got an animation team together to start working on the first animated short for brave little heroes now for me this is a really big yeah it's a really really big deal because you know if you go back to me being 10 years old kid in nigeria being flown to walt disney for three days disney world for three days and saying this is what i want to do there was no practical path for me to get from where i was in a small town in nigeria to doing what disney does so now i'm 39 and i spent a good bit of time a couple of decades ignoring that calling but i finally turned back to that calling and i still don't know exactly how i'm going to get to the level where disney is doing movies with me but brian disney is going to be doing movies with me disney is going to be calling me up saying we want the rights to do the next brave little heroes movie we want the rights to those characters disney bought marvel for maybe three billion something like that Disney's going to be looking at Brave Little Heroes the same way. I can't tell you all the steps to get there. All I can tell you is that without a shadow of a doubt, if it takes the rest of my natural life, Brian, I'm going to be there. I love that, man. I love your passion about that. I I know that's going to happen. I can't wait to see it. And I just hope my my kids get a chance to watch that. And Cora, who's 18 months, she definitely will. And just draw me in as some character that has one. (laughs) one, It doesn't have to be a whole line, man. It can just be like one word. Like it doesn't have to be a real word. I just want one character in there. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. That's not a lot. Man, I love your vision. I love that's exactly what that question's for. I, I love it most when when people answer it like you do and it's big and but it's obtainable, but it's exciting. And you're definitely excited about that. I I can see that happening, man. That's great. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate that. And that actually that means a lot. It means a lot because so much of the world tells us that our, our goals are impractical, yeah. or they want to tell us how to do it. They want to tell us, wait a little bit, wait till your kids are out of school, or you know this, that, and the other. And you know, shoot, we only have one life. We only have one life, and we need to get going. We need to get moving. If you have a big goal, you're not going to obtain it overnight, but you can get started today. You could take a small step today, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I love that. And, and I did somebody we talked to when I was first starting the business um, that we kind of we, we formed our manifesto around his manifesto. And he told me, because I said, hey, man, it's just me in the office right now. Now we have a staff of, of 10. But back wow. then, he was like, 
you know, tell them what you're, you know, he's like, tell me your vision and what you want to do. And I told him and, and he's like, you got to keep telling that story and people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, dude, you're just one guy and you know, you're running a marketing company in a small town in Michigan. And, and but keep telling and tell everybody that story. And, and sometimes we get off that and we don't do it because we're so busy at work. But then when I come back around and I tell that story, not only does it get me excited, mm. when they hear that story, when people hear that story, they're like, wow, yeah, this guy really, you know, wants to do big things. So I, I do like doing that. And I think you're right. I think keep keep telling yourself that over and over again. And I think that's a good message for not only our listeners, but also to your kids too. And, and yeah. to the people that listen to this. So thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. For this sure. is called the business machine for several reasons. One of the reasons, and I think the biggest reason is that you and I and all small business owners um, are the machine that keeps everything moving. You know, we're the pieces of this machine. We're a big piece in this machine, especially if you're by yourself, but um, we're, all pieces of this machine and some of my staff are now pieces of this machine some of our equipment are pieces of this machine that keeps it running and keeps it going so that eventually maybe i'm not that big of a piece in the machine and it's running by itself so what do you think you need to do or when you're not there all the time or when you're not always doing everything that has to do with both of these companies what have you done what have you done to make sure that that business keeps going or will be able to reach those goals and that machine will be able to run by itself that is a really, really powerful question. And it's one where, I'll be honest with you, I don't have the perfect answer. I'm a work in progress, probably like a lot of our friends listening. So let me, let me cite a few things first. The question basically gets to the crux of, of this statement. You need to work on your business, not in yeah, we hear your that. business. We hear that a lot. <laughs> right. Michael Gerber, E-Myth. I read this over a decade ago. And is that I, where that I, comes from? Is that where that statement comes from? I think it is. He he talks about it. I don't know if he originated it, right. okay. but he is so good at painting the picture as to why you need to work on the business, not in the business. He uses great examples. One really good example, folks, is McDonald's, how they've systemized. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Thing. Yep. You'll never get the, the best burger from McDonald's. You're never going to get that from McDonald's. So if you're a burger connoisseur, that's not what you're going to get. But they have systemized everything to the point where they can consistently produce a, a similar product. And not only that, they can replicate that system so that you can put a 16-year-old, give him that system, and they can produce the same level of product. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. Imagine, Brian, being able to take Michigan Creative and basically hand someone a set of keys and say a, a, and a manifesto or a set of documents and say, okay, take this and go run. And it's Friday on Monday. You'll be able to open up your own Michigan creative in, you know, wherever in Florida. Yeah. We or, thought, we thought about that. I, that's interesting. I, yeah, that's, and I think that's what we're not working towards that sort of model, but mm. things that we're doing are eventually going to allow it to maybe make that possible. Mm, that that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, some people, are, we all have different skills. This actually goes back to the whole superpower thing. We all have different innate skills, things that we're good at. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean we can't learn other skills. It, pretty much every skill can be learned with the right teaching and enough dedication to your craft. But we have some strengths right now. For some of us, documentation is not a strength. That's not a strength for me, no. Brian. But what that means, I have to be able to recognize that, okay, I'm a creative person. I, I like to start 
new processes. I like to provide the vision and then get it started, get it working, and then have somebody else come in and manage it and smoothen over the bumps and document everything. So I need to actually partner with people that have that sort of personality, that sort of skill set, either as partners or as employees. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that as a young entrepreneur. And so I would drive myself crazy either by creating these businesses that looked great at the outset, but when you got into the details, the inner workings, there, there, sometimes there wasn't any there there, you know, because yeah, I, yeah. I didn't have the patience to, to paint in all those little, tiny, minute details, you know, so I get myself into trouble that way, or I get myself into trouble trying to be the one to go fill in all those minute details, and that would just drive me crazy. Everything would grind to a halt. Yeah. So eventually, I started just, kind of just by accident. I'd run into people who were really good at the other side of the coin, and by partnering with them, that really helped me out. Cool. So partnering is important to answer this question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's important, Perry Marshall has this concept. He says it's called $10 an hour tasks versus $10,000 an hour tasks. Yep, I've heard Here's this, what, yep. Hey, you've heard this. So here's what he's talking about. If you look at everything that goes on in your business on a weekly basis, there are some tasks that only make you, they're only worth 10 bucks an hour. You know, maybe it's the, the person uh, answering, answering the phones or cleaning the bathrooms or restocking the vending machine. It, it's not devaluing those tasks. It's just saying that the, the skill level is such that you could pay someone $10 an hour to do that task, okay? No, no knock against those tasks. All right. Then there's some tasks where, okay, maybe Brian is going out um, talking to, he's doing a presentation to a very large prospect. There might be no one else in the company that could do that specific task except for Brian. Now, should Brian be spending his time restocking the vending machine, taking in every phone call that comes into the business, or should he put all his energy into knocking the ball out of the park? for that presentation. That's a $10,000 an hour task. If he presents for one hour and, and they get the business, it's five figures or, or probably more, right? And so it's, it's a great exercise to identify what are the $10 an hour tasks that I'm doing? What are the $100 an hour tasks I'm doing? The $1,000 an hour tasks I'm doing? You kind of list them all out and then you say, okay, those $10 an hour tasks, I know I'm doing them now, but I either need to delegate automate or outsource or in some cases just stop doing it yeah yeah yeah. together you know for example my my wife life laughs at me because if you look at my yahoo mail inbox oh no i have about twenty one thousand unopened oh that would drive me crazy (laughs) unopened messages in there it's a personality thing so I, i i could put in the time brian to get that down to inbox zero, sure. you know, which is a thing. It's, it's a productivity thing. I could put in that time, but the amount of spam that I have to go through, the amount of Ooh. promo emails, the amount of st- – it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go through – yes, every time I log into Yahoo, it tells me 21,562. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, why you don't, that's why you don't answer my emails. <laughs> no, no, it's actually just – because it's you. Oh, right. That's what I was, I knew that. I was trying to make myself <laughs> so, feel better today. So, but yeah, but we all kind of need to list out that there's, there's things that, that are urgent and important. You know, you could do a two by two matrix. A lot of times the, the stuff that feels urgent, it might not necessarily be important. 
It yeah. might not necessarily yeah. be important. So you have to sort of take the time to figure out what tasks are make or break. Yeah, I need figure to out how to spend most of your time doing those sweet spot tasks. The ones where you do it and it's effortless. You do it and it doesn't feel like work. You do it and folks are like, man, how does he do that? I, I bet you I bet you Michael Jordan, you know, the, the, the basketball player, I bet he sucks at a lot of the things that we're good at. I bet Tiger Woods sucks at a lot of the things that we're good at. But they kill it in their particular sphere. So find out where you kill it, focus on that, and either delegate, automate, or outsource the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I like that because I, you know, I think that Michael Jordan would probably work me over on the basketball court. Although I don't, you know, I don't know. It's getting kind of up there, man. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a really good rebounder, but um, but I, you know, I could probably edit video better than Michael Jordan. Probably. Probably. So let's talk about. You know, you're really involved with your kids, and and you're really helping other people's kids too. And 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 I hate the term work life balance. And the reason why I don't like it is because I I think that if you like what you do, um, then that work thing is kind of like you know it's not really work, but you know we still have to do things that are work. Whether we're an entrepreneur, whether we have a successful small business, whether we work in corporate America, whatever it is. But how do you because like me and you know you talked about your email but you know you're doing all these things online your phone is always with you so tell me how you make sure and tell our audience how entrepreneurs and small business owners can really disconnect and do what's best and spend time with our family and our kids how do you do that i mean how what are some things that you've done to make sure that you're spending quality time with your children and with your wife Mm -hmm. That's a powerful question. It actually is one of the questions, Brian, that caused me to start the podcast Bravepreneur Parents Academy because I wanted help. Yeah, I wanted to figure yeah. out the answer to that question. I've been an entrepreneur. I'm 39 now. I've been an entrepreneur at, officially since I was 19. I started a web design business in college. So for 20 years, even as I worked through corporate America, I was still sort of nurturing all these little side hustles. So that that balance has always been an issue for me to figure out. Here are a few things that I think are really important. And, and we can talk about um, the difference between effectiveness and efficiency. Efficiency is taking the tasks that you've been given and doing the best that you can do with those tasks. Yep, so yep. in our case, as entrepreneurs who, who are trying to find this term that Brian doesn't like, work-life balance, we're, if we want to just be efficient, We'll say, all right, I have this much work to do, and I need to spend time with my wife or husband. I need to spend time with my kids, um, and this, this is how many hours I have. And, and that's when we start to sacrifice sleep. That's when we start to sacrifice exercise. And sometimes that's when we just start to sacrifice the relationships because we say, well, something has to give. This work has to get done. <laughs> the work isn't going to give, so my family is going to have to give this month. I totally get that. And actually, the past few months, what I've been working on launching the podcast and launching Brave Quest and doing some other stuff as well, sleep has been a, a luxury that I just did not really afford myself. Sure. But you can't do that long term. Right. You know, th there are going to be periods in your life when, you know, you need to tell your wife or your husband, you know, babe, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Things are going to be crazy for the next three months. I just need. I need your permission. I, yeah, I need no, a little I like bit that. of allowance, yep. a little bit of rope. And I think right? they appreciate that. I, I think, it, you know, just setting it up. I know with my wife too, I'm like, 
you know, like tonight, I know I'm going to have to do some work tonight because we were at a shoot all day and I had a podcast to do that I you know, was going to try to cancel, but the guy wouldn't let me. But, um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a jerk. laughs> but yeah, man, I think they, I think that is important and kind of setting them up for that and, and setting your schedule, I think, so that you know what you have to do when you have to do it. And I've even done, gone so far as making sure that my work calendar and my family calendar are the same, which mm-hmm. doesn't sound very good on the surface. But then if you actually put in there things that are specific for your family, you know you can't yeah. block anything off there that's right. for work. That's so that's right. really helped. So, Balaji, we focus on mistakes here. And I know, of course, you haven't made any. Um, but that's correct. <laughs> what was your biggest mistake? Because you know, we, we learn, I've learned so much from just doing the podcast, few podcasts that we have done from some small mistakes that business owners have made and what they learned from. So what do you think was your biggest mistake? Or if you could tell somebody, you know what, don't do this, what would it be? Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to share a few things that maybe folks may not want to hear, but I, this worked for me. I'll just put it to you that way. And I'll share them in, in hierarchical order. So the first one is the one I think is most important, has been most impactful for me. The first one is not having the right business model. Okay. So when I started my social network back in 1999, I was fresh out of college. I wanted to, I missed being able to hang out with all these other young adults. I had moved to Cincinnati, Ohio from Atlanta, Georgia. I was lonely. I was like, okay, let me use, let me use these uh, super technology powers (laughs) for for evil and, and bring all my friends to me. Well, you know, wasn't really evil, but it was kind of self-serving. I wanted to hang out with my friends, but do it online. So I built this thing. It grew up, blew up 30,000 members. I didn't know how to make money from it. And so retroactively, I was like, okay, how can we make money? Let's try Google AdSense. Let's try all these different things. Nothing really works because I did not have a solid business model to begin with. That was a mistake. Now, uh, you know, I had to learn that the hard way, at least the first time. But for entrepreneurs out there, if your business model is a your, your business model might be a scooter but you're expecting it to serve you like it's a bmw okay gotcha. your business model is a scooter and you're trying to ride that scooter and you want to make a cross-country trip from new york to la and you think that scooter is going to get you there well no amount of hard work no amount of creativity no amount of grit is going to make that happen so if you're not willing, here's a great book for you guys to read, The Fast Lane, Fast Lane Business, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, it is, it's by MJ DeMarco, and it's a phenomenal book. He actually lays out Fast Lane Businesses. Fast Lane Businesses are ones that will get you to your financial goals as easily and quickly as possible. It's kind of like a kid starting a lemonade stand wanting to be the next Donald Trump. Well, it might take him 500 years to get to Donald Trump's level, regardless of what you feel about Donald Trump, by the way. It's just an example. So if you don't have a business, the right business model to help you reach your goals, you will sacrifice your health. You will sacrifice your relationships. You'll sacrifice everything and still not get to your goals. Yeah, yeah. that's the biggest one. And we had, you know, we had a business coach that said something very similar to that. And, and he said to us, like, you guys have great passion. You have great culture. Um, it looks like you're having fun. Your social media is amazing. But what are you doing with it? 
Like you have to have that other piece. Like I just, you know, I was always like, Hey, this is a startup and and it's not a startup anymore. And this is fun. And we're going to do this. It's gonna be awesome. But you still have to have those old business things in there. Okay, great. If you don't make money, all this other stuff you're talking about is not going to happen. And so, yeah, I think that's important and really having a a plan of, and it's not all about just how are you going to make money, but Really, it is how are we going to monetize this because that allows us to do and that would allow you to do what you really want to do, which is spend a lot of time with your family, help a lot of children, help a lot of entrepreneurs and make the world a better place. But, you know, I I know you and, and you're not starting this to make a lot of money, but then on the other side. Boy, if you were able to monetize both the podcast and you are and the Brave Little Heroes, just think what you could do. That's you could it. get to that that uh, Disney could buy it, and you could That's you it. could get that, and your message is all over the place. So, I yeah. think you know I don't want to say that we need to focus on how we're going to make money all the time, but I think that has to be in there that you really have to think about how is this, what amount of money do you need to do right. what you want to do? That's right, and to affect the kind of people and and do the great things that you want to do. What do you need and how are you going to get there? Yeah, that's it. You know, if you think about the fact that we're having to spend time away from family, we're having to work during family time, we have to realize that it's quite possible. It's not not necessarily the case, but it's possible that that's a reflection on the fact that our business is it still needs something extra. If our business can generate just that much extra money, we can pay for someone to, to do the work. So we can go spend time with family. So, so that business model is at the heart of it all. Now, how do you make sure you have a good business model? This is the next thing that I didn't figure out. You know, I had that Protestant work ethic. I, I, I had that pull myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah, work you just ethic. work hard enough, it'll work out. That's it. And eventually that can work, but it takes a lot longer. You need a mentor. Yeah, you need an expert who's gone down the path you're going down before you. Yep, They've yep. made the mistakes. Pay them the money. Yeah. It's worth it. As long as they're not a charlatan and they're going to not, as long as they're not going to run away with your money. So you do need to do your due diligence. Sure. Once it's someone that you trust, invest that money. Believe me, even if you feel like you can't afford it, find a way, catch this, find a way to afford it. Okay. I'm not saying go into debt. I'm not saying put it on your credit card. Let's say that business mentor costs $5,000. You don't have $5,000 right now to spend on that anyway. Instead of saying I can't afford it, tell yourself, okay, what do I need to do to make that $5,000 extra so that I can work with this top business coach? Because my, my goals are worth it. My business is worth it. My family is worth it. And I think that you can find a way to generate five grand extra. It might take you three months, sure. but that's not that long of a time. No. Three months from now, you're working with this top business coach and he could save you or she could save you five years of heartache yeah yeah and we have to do that too and i when we first got a business coach he didn't really work out and um and we thought he didn't work out but he actually ended up because what he was you know it was great at first and then he started to look at things and he's like you know what this is not this is not working here and this is not working here and this is and i'm like oh my god he's so negative and yeah this is awesome and and then you know he he really said to me, he's like, look, man, I'm not going to be all rosy on you. You know, I'm not going to, this is not why you hired me to do this. You, you've got to be able to either take my advice or not. And I was like, all right, all right. So we're going to start listening to, and what he was right. I mean, he's like you, and what he really told us is you've got to focus on some of the business things. Like, yeah, your social media is great, but what are you doing with it? 
And we're like, well, not nothing. We just tell people it's awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's important. And, and mentors are important. And I think, you know, having mastermind groups or even a group of that's people it. that you can bounce ideas. Yes. I can't tell you how much we've got from our, our mastermind group. And just to have somebody there that can bounce ideas off. And we're going to start a mastermind group here and locally too. And it's not going to be a networking event. It's not, no one's, if you pass a business card out, you get shot on site. Well, you're doing a shot, but you get kicked out of the group. But um, They have a water gun. Yeah, they have a water gun. Um, but it's just about, you can say whatever you want to say and people are going to help you and then you're done. And so, yeah, get involved with people who have been there, I think is the biggest thing. Totally agree. Those, those are actually, that was the third thing I was going to mention. So the first thing was your model. Yep. Second thing was your mentor. The third thing was mastermind. Mastermind, you know, mastermind. Have those, have those peers. The peers that will, one, support you, right? Because sometimes our families and friends, they may not get our vision. Yeah. They, and as, as close as we are with our spouses and our friends, they're all, you know, my wife's a PA. And so she doesn't really get the entrepreneur, but she, you know, she obviously wants to support me. Yeah. But most of the time it's like, honey, it's going to be okay. You know, I mean, that's what they do. And I love that about her. I love that. But that's it's, amazing. I want somebody to say, yeah, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> try, try this instead. You know, my wife's yeah. not going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely have that mastermind. They, they're peers. They can support you. They'll give you encouragement. They'll also tell you the truth about certain things and they're knowledgeable. They'll be able to share resources with you. Yep. It's amazing. And you don't even have to pay them anything. And yeah, the yeah. connections that you make in that group. I mean, the yeah. connections that we've made in our group that we never met before. We would have right. We would have never met probably if it yeah. wasn't for the podcast. You're right. Group. You're right. And now the connections that we've made and, and just the ideas that, you know, you guys have had uh, impact on us to say, Hey, what about this? And uh, you know, it's been, I, I can't stress enough for any business owner out there is to find a mastermind group, either, create one of your own locally or create one digitally or do whatever you can and just have that on your schedule for once yeah. a week. Yeah. Once every couple of weeks, it's, it's important and it really, really helps. Yeah. Creating your own is actually a very powerful thing to do. So if yeah. you don't find one that exists do it. by, by becoming the, the spoke, mm -hmm. the, the hub rather, uh, and everybody else being the spoke, you now instantly become an authority. Yeah, yeah. And, and you actually get credit even as the other people in the mastermind work together and grow their businesses and get benefits. They're subconsciously going to credit you for bringing them together. So go ahead and form your own mastermind. Well, I think that's like Michael because Michael yeah. in our group, like, you know, he formed that group and, and he really formed it. Honestly, what he formed it was just to help and get three people together. Right. And so I, th I mean, I just thank him for doing it. And I think we're all getting a bunch of stuff from each other. But yeah, man, it's exactly right. I never thought about that, but you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So I was a high school teacher for 14 years. I was the cheesy high school teacher that passed, <laughs> pa passed out quotes and tried to inspire the youth. And I thought I did a pretty good job, but I love quotes. What's your favorite quote? Do you have a quote that you like? You know, I love quotes as well. And I got asked this question a couple of months ago, and I was trying to think of, you know, one of the more elaborate, flowery, you know, inspiring, fire-up type quotes, and I, and I couldn't think of it at the time. So I gave them the one that came to mind, but on reflecting on it, that quote is probably the epitome of what I'm about. And that quote is an old Japanese proverb. It's not poetic. It's, it's not long. It's not flowery. It simply says, fall down seven times, stand up eight. I love that. 
and one of the quotes that reminds me of is, and I'm a superhero guy too. I've got a Fantastic Four poster up here right above my. Oh, I love uh, it. That was one of my comics that my dad and I read religiously. And, wow. And one of the quotes I like from the more recent Batman's is, is he asks, you know, why do we fall, and and we fall so that we can get back up again, and I like that. And uh, so yeah, that's a that's a that's a nice quote, Balaji. Thanks. What's a, you you've given us like. See, the one bad thing about these podcasts is that people say books all the time. You've said like 10 books that we should read. So now my list <laughs> is like 40 deep. <laughs> I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to go to Audible and listen to some of them. But give us a book besides the ones that you've already given us. What's another business book that somebody out there should read? Mm, or yeah, one that we talked about already. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you another one because folks can kind of pick the one you know that, that they really like. I like a book by Peter Sims. It's called Little Bets. Hmm. Little Bets. And I like that book because it, when you talk about, say, the 10-year plan, yeah. the 10-year goal, that can feel a little bit daunting. But Little Bets is about how you can get breakthrough ideas from small discoveries. Basically, it encourages you taking those little steps. If I say, for example, that one day, one day I want to have the same impact on the world that Walt Disney has had, the first step is not to go build an amusement park or a movie house. The first step might be to make up a story to tell my kids at bedtime and maybe make it a routine that every night I tell them a little story at bedtime. That seems so far removed from Walt's mega, mega empire. Sure. And yet that little bet that, hey, you know what? If I, if I just start doing a little storytelling thing every night, who knows where that could take me a year from now. Yeah. All I know is it's moving me in the right direction. Yeah, so little, little bets. Thing. Yeah, little yeah. bets. I like that. All right. If you could meet, and it can't be a superhero, man. I mean, I guess it can. <laughs> I mean, it can't be Spider-Man. One of the things I wanted to say about Spider-Man is that I, he, he's one of my favorite ser- superheroes, too. And I think one of the biggest reasons is, is he made me not afraid of spiders when I was a kid. Because <laughs> we used to, man, we used to be like, please bite me. Please, spider, would you please bite me? Because <laughs> it just me. may happen. I mean, just, you never know. I'm not afraid of spiders at all because I'm hoping, I still hope, that you know, maybe it's that one rogue spider that got out of the lab. Right. And he'll bite me and I'll, I'll be sweet. That hasn't happened yet. That's good. That's good. Um, so, so you can have dinner with any yes. business owner or anybody, really. Who would it be and why? There's so many interesting people out there. And I've got to tell you, by the way, that one of the fascinating things with putting yourself out there into the world and starting to claim your own little corner of the world is that slowly but surely you start to get the opportunity to meet the people you look up to. Yeah, you do, don't you? It's amazing. I, I, I've had the opportunity to, to chat with John Lee Dumas. I know you have as well, Brian, to just yeah. being in his programs. Amazing young man. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to meet a guy. You guys may not know him. Some of you will. His name is Dr. Eric Thomas. He's known as the hip hop preacher. And he gives these motivational, amazing motivational speeches on YouTube. He became a sensation five years ago, but he's been doing it for 20 years. That's one of the guys that I look up to and always wanted to meet. I met him last month. Wow. Okay. Awesome. And he actually, yeah, he saw my Brave Quest book. He was like, oh, you do superheroes? I was like, uh, yeah. He was like, ooh. Can we get some copies of those? I was like, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, put yourself out there. You never know. You're going to eventually start meeting. If you put enough time into it, you'll start meeting the people you look up to. Somebody that I, that I really look up to right now and that I'm hoping to meet 
he's 90, I think he's 90, he's like 92 years old. It's ridiculous. He's, he's pretty old. Stan Lee. Wow. Stan Lee. I want cool, to sit it? down and have dinner with the man, Stan. Yeah, and I, you know, we always would laugh. My boys and I love it when they see Stan Lee and, and his cameos on the movies. Yeah. And then we started to talk about it. My boys are, are 11 and, and uh, 15, and so they're you know very into these. We love the superhero movies. But I think it was my younger son, uh, Jack, that said, man, wouldn't that be cool to meet Stan Lee? I'm like, you know what? I mean, think of all the things he, he created. I'm like, God, that would be a great dinner. Yeah, man, that would be sweet. So what technology app software something that you use every day that you couldn't live without audible really it's audible i use evernote a lot and i know that evernote is quite popular i fought the evernote movement for several years i finally adopted it about two years ago but yeah (laughs) it's you don't have to use evernote but it's very helpful to have something to collect your thoughts uh, on your smartphone yeah that's just so whatever app it is you want to use use something but i like audible because i've always been i've always been in love with learning i have a passion for self-development and just feeding my brain i feel like that it's like cheating it's like wow yeah, i get to learn yeah. from all these folks i can drive you know? and learn yeah it's crazy I yes love so audible. The fact that you can drive and learn it's there's nothing like it for us busy entrepreneurs absolutely we don't always get the time to curl up with the book anymore you know, it's still nice to have that tactile experience of reading a book. Yeah, but, but I found, though, that I don't I, I love to read and I read a lot, but I don't want to read necessarily at night before I go to bed. I don't want to be, read a business book because what happens is I start to read these things in the business books about all these things that we should be doing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I can't sleep now. So I don't do that anymore. But I did go on Audible and, and you know, my wife and I use it when we go on trips to listen to books. We love it. And, um, but now what I do is I just listen to all these business books that I want to, and I have one in the car or, you know, in the morning on my phone and it's awesome. So you can go to our website at businessmachine.show and there's a free trial on there too. But I, I do like that. And I think it's a great way. And I started to listen to podcasts and books because on the way to work, I'd be listening to the radio or music. I'm like, this is silly. I should be listening to something that's going to help. And it, man, it really helped just get me motivated for getting in the morning and and really doing the right thing. So that's great. What is your, we like to talk about places to eat around here locally because there's a lot of local places we love to eat or drink, but tell us what in Raleigh, where is your family's or your favorite place, favorite place to eat or drink? Okay. Okay. Well, let me see. I'm not, on the one hand, I'm not a foodie in that I don't have the most sophisticated taste. That's okay. And, <laughs> and so I'm I have friends, you. foodies, and they can tell you all the great local stuff. Yeah. If you come to... um if you come to Raleigh, they have amazing barbecue mm. in Raleigh. And the place you want to go is a place called The Pit. Perfect. The Pit makes amazing, amazing barbecue. If you can't get to The Pit, then, you know, I, I like ethnic food. So my wife and I like to go out for Thai food. Mm. It's a place called Bangkok Thai. Just a small hole in the wall. There's lemongrass Thai. We know all the Thai places, I think. <laughs> so I love, I love spicy ethnic food. But if you're coming for authentic Raleigh food, go to The Pit. Well, we will come and we will go to the pit. And I was going to come there because I thought question, you know, when you could meet any anybody and have dinner with, I thought it was going to be me. So I would have came there and had dinner with you. But now now it's going to be a pit, man. Sorry. You didn't ask for two people. You were going to. Oh, oh, I was two. OK, that's good. No, that's not bad. All right. Well, as you're about wrapping up here and, and last two questions here, how, how do we best get a hold of you? How do we find out more about what you do? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, good question, Brian. So folks can find me at Brave 
brave.com. It's like entrepreneur, except with the word brave. So B-R-A-V-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. I hate spelling that word out loud because I always feel like I'm going to mess up the E. I know, I know. (laughs) So you could go to bravepreneur.com. You can find my contact info on there. You can find information about the podcast. And it actually links to the Brave Quest Journal website, which is going to be launching in next month. It links to Brave Little Heroes books. So that's sort of my hub. So we have all those links in the show notes, too. And before we get to our last question, too, I just want to tell Balaji and everybody listening out there that his podcast is is something else and, and what he's doing. And uh, if you want to talk to somebody who is super passionate about what he does, but I think even more so passionate about the kids and and what he's doing and what he's giving kids, I think Bellagio is, is the man. And, and if you listen to him and talk to him, you know, he... What he says is what he believes. And, and I just, you know, I was really honored to be on your podcast and, and what you're doing for kids in your area and all over the, the world. And so keep doing that. And uh, especially I thought the Brave, uh, the, the show Bravepreneur was a really good idea because I just really never thought about that. It's like, oh, man, yeah, I bet a lot of these entrepreneurs are parents, too. And so it's a great it's a great podcast. It's super excited. So I just want to say thanks for all you're doing uh, for all the kids and all the parents who are entrepreneurs. So thanks, man. I really appreciate that, Brian. That means a lot. Thank you. So, so last question, man, and it's tough. So what do you think or what do you hope Bellagio's legacy will be? Ooh, ooh. The, the L word, legacy. Uh, legacy. <laughs> legacy. Oh, gosh. Okay, so first and foremost, I am a husband. I am a father. And I'm passionate about empowering childhood. I think there's so much honesty in our childhood before the world gets to sort of cloud our intuition and our vision and tell us what we ought to like, what we ought to be when we grow up. You ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up, there's no limits. You know, today they want to be a ballerina, tomorrow a fireman, you know, the day after they want to be Walt Disney. And I think we need to honor that. And if I can find a way to not only empower these kids to believe that it's possible, but to also empower these parents to, to give us parents the tools to enable our kids. If they want to be Michael Jordan today, let's enable them. Let's have them go meet a basketball player, take them to the local college, meet, meet the basketball players. Let's have them start putting in the work because no matter how often they change their goals, their dreams in life, one thing is common. They're going to need perseverance. They're going to need tenacity because they're going to get knocked down. They're going to get knocked down a lot, and they're going to get knocked down so much that they're going to feel like they can't get up anymore. Rocky said, and I think Rocky Five, and I, and I, I love Rocky movies, he said, life, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Okay? And it really isn't. A lot of times we try to tell our kids that life, I'm guilty of this. Yeah, we try to too. tell our kids life, life is sunshine and rainbows, and everything you want is going to work out. That's not the way life works. But we shouldn't be living life trying to be comfortable and trying to make our kids comfortable. We should be living life trying to matter, trying to make this journey a little bit better for the person next to us, trying to make this world a little bit easier because there's so much suffering, there's so much pain. It's amazing, you walk into a room and everybody might look fine, but you don't know who's depressed in there, you don't know who was suicidal. I'll give you a quick story. Uh, This past Halloween, which was a couple of weeks ago, a a, a Toastmaster friend of mine told me, he's he's a nice guy, 70-year-old guy, these two 12-year-olds walked up to his house, no costumes on. 
two girls, no costumes. And, you know, he was like, y'all should have costumes, but he didn't say anything. He gave him some candy. Um, So the girls turned to leave. One of them turns back and says, you know, you're the first person to not say anything about us not having costumes. Really? He said, said, really? And and the girl went on to say, she said, you know, today our friend committed suicide. And we're just out here trying to get our minds off of that situation. You don't know what people are going through. No idea. You have no idea. And so if my legacy can be that I help little kids like that, that little 12-year-old feel like, no, maybe she does have a place in life. You know, maybe no matter what people say about her, maybe she does matter. If I can do that, that's all I need. Wow. All right, so listeners, that was Bellagio. We've got a lot of work to do um, and trying to set our legacy and and trying to make a difference and, and helping our kids and listen to his podcast, go to his website. Laji, thank you so much for being on The Business Machine. This has been a lot of fun, Brian. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for what you're doing, man. This was great. Thank you. Cool. That was Bellagio uh, from Bravepreneur. And check out his podcast and check out our show notes on businessmachine.show, not .com. It's the new TLDs, businessmachine.show, where we have entrepreneurs from all over the globe. And today was a very special one with Bellagio. Thanks, everybody. I'm Brian Towns the host of Business Machine and owner of Michigan Creative. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks, guys.